Blog Talk Radio. And now on Blog Talk Radio, you're listening to Wine Talk with Stu the Wine Guru. Welcome to Wine Talk for today, Thursday, December 2nd, 2010. It's 7 p.m. Eastern, and I'm your host, Stu the Wine Guru, coming to you live from beautiful Coral Springs, Florida, as I always do. As you know, I'll take your calls anytime during the show at 1-646-381-4860 or email me your questions at info at stewthewineguru.com. You can also go into my chat room here on the show page and chat with other wine enthusiasts or tweet me any questions you like at Stu the Wine Guru on Twitter, and I'll read them live on the show. I want to say thanks to all the listeners out there for getting the word out about my show. Welcome to all of you listening worldwide. I call that the power of the people meets the power of the Internet. Now, if you want to find out more about me, just Google Stu the Wine Guru. You can find the websites, videos, articles, and shows I'm currently a part of. Speaking of articles and reviews, I'm writing articles and reviews for Yahoo and The Examiner, so look for those as well. I've also made a Wine 101 video series that can be viewed on YouTube, my website, and just about anywhere else on the Internet. In fact, my latest is on wines of South Africa, and I highlight the Sauvignon Blanc of a great new vintner out of South Africa. Uh, It's Seven Springs from the Hermanus West Cape Town area. Check it out. It's a great new Sauvignon Blanc. Tonight, as part of my Top Chefs of the Nation series, my guest tonight carries the unique title of executive chef, TV personality, author, and all, all that at an incredible age of 27. She was actually an author and chef at 20 years old. She's best known for her weekly cooking segment on NBC Miami's Maximum Flavor, where she cooks dishes and talks about being a chef with Roxanne Vargas, NBC reporter. Her restaurant is well-known and frequented by everyone from everywhere. She's also featured along with me on the CNBC world hit show, Wine Portfolio. The name of her fantastic restaurant is Chef Adrian's Vineyard Restaurant and Wine Bar. Her name is Chef Adrian Calvo, and she'll be joining us shortly. Of course, if you want to call in, the number is one six four six three eight one four eight six zero. Or if you're shy and you prefer the computer, you can always email me questions at info at stewthewineguru.com or tweet me, tweet me your questions to at stewthewineguru on Twitter, and I'll read them live here on the show. As always, I've opened a chat room for the listeners to go into and chat. You can also ask questions of Chef Adrian or myself, and I'll check into the chat room live periodically during the show to get answers for you. But first up, I want to thank the listeners who are following me on Twitter. Uh, I love social media. Uh, I think it's great because it gives you the capability to talk directly to my listeners and my guests alike. I'm enjoying the immediacy of the medium. I like the ability to give updates in real time, and my guests are doing the same to promote the show. So thanks to Twitter and social media. Some show notes, as I mentioned before, I will be uh, appearing on Check, please, South Florida in January. I'll be a guest on that Emmy Award-winning PBS show. I'll be kicking off its fifth season, so look for that. I've also been asked to be a guest on the hit CNBC World Show, Wine Portfolio, with host Jody Ness, which I alluded to earlier at the top of the show. And that will be – I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be outstanding when that comes out. In fact, my guest for the evening, as I mentioned, is going to be on that show as well, Chef Adrian. Um, And what's happening is is that Jody – is coming to Miami to find out about the wine and food scene, and I show him around where to go. We discuss the, my wine radio show, the wine industry. Uh, we taped this actually about a week and change ago, and the show is going to air in January, as I said, so check your local listings for that. That's CNBC World, uh, and so that's in all over the globe 
in a variety of different markets everywhere. There will be more TV appearances coming up, and I will let you know uh, via the radio show and Twitter as it happens. I'll also be narrating a um, promotional video for uh, multiple Napa wineries. I'll let you know when that is complete. Uh, for all you wanting to know what events I'll be attending so you can meet up with me like my tweet will do on Twitter, um, January 27th through the 30th, I will be at uh, a media sponsor covering the second annual Key West Food and Wine Festival. Come down, eat some great food, drink some great wine, and be sure to come and say hi to me. February 23rd through 27th, I'll be covering the 10th annual Food Network South Beach Wine and Food Festival. In fact, it's amazing that it's already been a decade, um, but you definitely have to check it out because uh, this event is amazing. I mean, all the cool chefs, all the who's who, the wine industry there, everybody. And I'll be there, so definitely come down and, and say hi. March 13th, excuse me, March 18th through the 20th, I'll be reporting on the Boca Bacanal event. Lots of good stuff happening the first few months of the year down here in Florida. That's the schedule so far. Of course, keep listening here, and I'll keep you posted. Now, since I'm a media sponsor for the Key West Food and Wine Festival. I've worked out a great deal for my listeners. You can now purchase tickets and receive a 20% discount. All you have to do is use the code STWG during the checkout process and keep listening and following me on Twitter for more information. I think we have some technical difficulties at the moment, so I'm going to start up again here. Sorry, guys. Okay, so that's the uh, what happens with live radio, everyone. Sometimes you have some technical difficulties. Uh, so we're going to start all over again here a few minutes into the show, and I will start from scratch. Um, sorry about that. Welcome to Wine Talk for today, Thursday, December 2nd. It's 7.15 Eastern, and I'm your host, Stu the Wine Guru, coming to you live from beautiful Coral Springs, Florida, as I always do. Uh, as you know, I'll take your calls anytime at one six four six three eight one four eight six zero or email me your questions at info at com. You can also go into my chat room here on the show page and chat with other wine enthusiasts or tweet me any questions you like at StuTheWineGuru on Twitter and I'll read them live here on the show.
Okay, so considering the time constraints and that we uh, <laughs> unfortunately had some technical difficulties here, I'm going to go directly to uh, the show guest of the evening, and I uh, just want to give you a little uh, background. This is my uh, Top Chefs of the Nation series. Tonight is part of it. Uh, I have a unique guest. She's not only an executive chef, a TV personality, and an author, but she did that all at the incredible age of 27. She was actually an author and chef at 20 years old. Uh, she's best known on her weekly cooking segment on NBC Miami's Maximum Flavor, where she cooks up dishes and talks about being a chef with Roxanne Vargas and her restaurant, The NBC Reporter. Her restaurant is always is well-known and frequented by everyone from everywhere. She was also featured, along with me, on the CB CNBC world hit show, Wine Portfolio, which is coming out in January. The name of her fantastic restaurant is Chef Adrian's Vineyard Restaurant and Wine Bar. Her name is Chef Adrian Calvo, and I'm going to have bring her on right now. Chef, you there? Hey, Stu. How are you? Ah, I'm fantastic. Sorry for the... Uh, <laughs> The technical difficulties is not like television where you get like a you know a uh, uh, some sort of test pattern you know. This is just <laughs> well, thank you so much for the kind words, but you added a year to me. I'm 26. I'm not 27 yet. Oh, uh, no, did I? You I'm don't sorry. do that that's to like a the, lady. That's the worst thing I could do. Oh, I, I apologize. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, it's okay. 26. That's even that's even more impressive. How about that, everybody? No, okay. no, no. We're just a couple months away. <laughs> Well, um, so I, I, where to start? I've got like a million questions, but I'm going to uh, I'll start with my questions, and then I've got tweeted questions, and I've got email questions, so we'll, we'll get to, right to it. Um, so tell my listeners what excites you about cooking. Oh, okay, I was waiting for you to finish that sentence. I'm like, it's due. <laughs> um, well, about, <laughs> about cooking, what excites me would definitely have to be, besides, you know, the – the adrenaline rush of, you know, a packed night and, you know, you're super busy and you got to crank out 80 plates. But besides that, um, it would have to be the thrill of discovery, of, you know, right. imagination. Um, I don't, you know, or discovering a new ingredient that you could work with. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, and I you know I can imagine that's got to be, I mean, for, let's say, for the wine guy, for the sommelier, it's like, you know, finding a uh, a varietal that, uh, you know, that people really get turned on to. I guess for you, it's an ingredient that you throw in there, and even people go, wow, okay, that's, I never would have expected that, but man, that works so well, and it tastes so good. So, um, so you are very young, and you've mapped out a great career so far. Uh, I want you to tell my listeners how you got started in cooking. Well, how I got started in cooking is actually a funny story. I actually wanted to go into journalism um, or something in, in the broadcast field. And in high school, while I was waiting to get into my TV production class, I had a schedule mistake. And they actually put me in a cooking class. And uh, in high school, you have to wait uh, to make an appointment with your counselor and all that. And it takes about two weeks. And in that two-week time period, uh, Johnson & Wales, the, the university, came in to do a cooking demo in the class. And I was, I was just sitting there, and I was the only one that was there by mistake. And, boy, did that sing to me. When they did their presentation, I was just like, this is all me. I can't imagine doing anything else but this. And just from, that, from then on, 16 years old, I, just, I decided this is it, and we're going to go full throttle. 16? Yeah. 16. I didn't even 16. know what I wanted to do at 16. Oh, oh this it was it was a calling. It was just you know, lightning struck at that moment. Wow, obviously that's that I have to say that is extremely impressive. Well, then that would make sense by 20, you're already a, an author, you've got, you know, <laughs> you've got a restaurant, you know? It's pretty pretty impressive. Um so you know, I want to ask so what, what's the most valuable thing you've learned so far in your career? If you the could think of one thing the most yeah. valuable thing i would say is i would i would definitely say is to be grateful um especially in this uh in this tough economy and everything i'm so grateful for every single one of my customers that come through that door or uh one of my loyal fans that buy a book or buy one of the products or or just watch the show on NBC every week and as you would know you know you have a million uh you know, Twitter followers and all that, the people that follow you, you know, you got to be grateful because what we do every day, you and I, it's a craft, you know. So if you have people that are willing to appreciate that, you got to be really, really appreciative of that. 
So I'm Absolutely. definitely, you know, that's just something that I'm like, there's a million chefs out there, and there's, a, you know, a million good ones as well. So I'm just so happy that there's a few people out there that like what I'm doing. <laughs> I like that. Humble. Humble humble works for you, most definitely. Yeah. Um, so if if you had to cook anywhere else in the world right now, other than Miami, where would it be? Hmm. It, I think other than Miami, I would have to definitely go to Napa Valley. I'm in love with Napa Valley. That's just that's just it for me. I mean, that's why my restaurants, uh, the theme is is Napa Valley. I just I think that's the Paris of the West, um, the Tuscany of the West. I don't know. It's it's just a magical place for me. So you know, you must have been reading my notes because that dovetails perfectly into the question I was about to ask you, which was you have an affinity for wine and Napa Valley wines, uh, and the and Napa Valley wines are served in your restaurant. So what inspired that particular region's wines? Well, I'm you know, let me. I don't know how to put this together well. I I know that in the wine world, it's very you know, it's really into, you know, all the wines of the world and, the you know, the new the new areas like Africa and things like that. And I'm a fan of, of African wines as well, but there was just something, this connection for me. I was 19 years old, and I won a, a culinary competition, and the prize was to go uh, to any place in the country. And I coincidentally picked... Uh, Napa Valley, just because I hadn't been there, and it was just as far as far west as possible, and I was always into wine anyways, so I'm like, let's go check this out, and as soon as I landed in San Francisco, and that, you know, that ride all the way up to Napa Valley, and it just, it was just something that, how can I say, it was, it's just a beautiful, it was a beautiful experience, and it was, it was something completely different than what's available mm-hmm. in Miami. And I said, sure. this is wow. Like, if you could just put everything together and, and say wow, it's what Napa Valley offers. And so, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's just wow that bottles should, in this region. Their, as you say, that should be their slogan for the commercials. If you could put everything together and say wow, that would be Napa Valley. Yeah, and I mean, in Miami, I love going to, like, modern restaurants and these cool, chic places. I like that. But I also, mm-hmm. I felt like Miami was missing this, uh, this restaurant where it was quaint and it was warm and it was inviting and it invited the guests to not just, you know, down a bottle. It invited them to enjoy the ambiance and remember that connection between that cork opening and, you know, that beautiful farm-to-table food that comes out with it and just taking two to three hours to just enjoy the dining experience. That was missing here. Right. And that's where the yeah. inspiration from the restaurant and everything came about. I have to say, I think you accomplished that extremely well. Right on the, you're right on the nose with that, most definitely. Um, so I'm going to bounce around here, uh, as you'll know, on my show. And uh, when you listen in and and or our guests, you'll notice that I will bounce around from questions that I have for you, uh, questions that are being tweeted as we speak, questions that are coming in as emails as we speak. So I'm going to do some emails because uh, there's some interesting questions coming from around the world. First up from Sankvin62 from Paris, France. And it says, Stu, my friends and I love your show here in Paris. We listen every week. I'd like to ask Chef Adrian if she ever learned to cook French food. And if so, does she incorporate any of it in her dishes at the restaurant? Merci beaucoup, Stu. Okay, well, thank you, Sankvin62 from Paris, France, for your question. And Adrian, you want to take it away? Absolutely. Um, I'm definitely into French food. Um, being a trained chef and all, I learned, uh, you know, the classical way of preparing French food. Um, but besides that, I, I literally take a trip almost every year uh, to New York City to the Star Chefs Congress, where all, like, the big-name uh, French chefs, Eric Repair and all that, they give uh, sure. lessons. And I definitely I love to learn from, you know, from my – Older colleagues, I, you know, I would say um, I'm one of those people that I love to, to learn what has made other people successful in, in my career, you know, and what are they noted for? What have been their, you know, what has made them shine and things like that. And uh, Eric Repair, for example, to me is just amazing. And he's definitely, I think he has redefined uh, French food in America and to American chefs. So... To me, that has made a big impact, and in my restaurant, I, I incorporate that a lot. Um, we do a lot of our fish, our seafood French style, 
So that's definitely right. that's definitely something. Well, there you go, Saint Vin, 62 from Paris, France. There's your answer. Uh, the next one is from Voidy 42. Boy, I tell you these numbers uh, from Crete, Greece, and it says, "Stu, very much enjoy this show. You are a great wine guy. Please ask Chef Adrian if she travels much outside of the, the states and if she likes Greek food." Thank you, Stu. Okay, there you go. Greek food. I love Greek food. Um, I have never been to Greece. I have actually never. I have never been to you know to Europe or anywhere across the Atlantic actually. So, but that's definitely in my plans for the next year or so. Maybe 2011, I will get overseas. But okay. um, I'm definitely into international cuisine. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, next one is from Giovanni Pacieri from Siena, Italy. And it says, Stu, I watched you on your NBC segment on your site, and it was both funny and informative. I would like to ask your chef what traditions from her family cooking has she incorporated into her restaurant food, if any. Thanks. Ciao, Stu. Okay, well, thank you, Giovanni Piacere from uh, Siena, Italy, for your question. Uh, do you want to take that one, Adrian? Uh I think that that's a very that's a good question. It's a very general question. I think all of us in general, all of us that cook, um, not necessarily just me, um, we definitely our family traditions are embedded into when we're in the kitchen. Just because a lot of well, as as far as myself, I was I grew up with you know every almost like every birthday, anything is a reason for celebration, and that entails food, and anything that entails food entails it you know, everyone gathering around trying to sneak a piece of this or that. So that's definitely how we work at the restaurant. And a lot of love goes into the food, which is something obviously that goes into, you know, family and celebration and anything like that. So definitely, sure. you know, family and food go together. Yeah. And, and, and it obviously shines through because, uh, you know, I think you, uh, I think you can, you, you can kind of taste it. You can you can you can feel that that that's the way you approach things. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people that are more perfectionist as chefs go, if you know what I mean. In that they're looking for more of the presentation, and not to say the food is not good, but um, I don't think it becomes more. It's not organic, and I don't mean in right. in, in, in you know what I'm saying. It, it it comes more organically to you when you when you have come from that uh, mindset, as opposed absolutely. to you know I have to make this absolutely perfect. Yes, you know the presentation has to be absolutely perfect, and you're you know you kind of lose all of that those dynamics to it. Um, I'm going to again go to some tweeted questions that are coming in here. Rod Phillips from Victoria, BC, Canada, tweeted: Can you ask Chef Adrian the level of wine training offered in most North American culinary training centers? So I guess they want to, he wants to know you know as to you know what they're what how they're training you uh, you know about wine in addition to food, to what level? or? Well, I can only uh, speak for Johnson & Wales University, my alma yeah. mater. Uh, we actually had one class uh, for every, per year. So basically in our, in our program, if you, know, you do the, your four years, you have four classes. And every year, you, I would say it gets a little bit more difficult because you're, you know, you're exposed to more complex wines. And, you know, your first year – you start off with your basic Merlots and Cabernets, and you start to know the difference between a Pinot and a Cab and things like that, and a Zinfandel. And then it gets more complicated as the years go on. But at at the end of each year, each student, in order to pass, has to be blindfolded and be able to pass um, ninety. It's I believe ninety two percent of the of the wines. Like you have to be able to name blindfolded what the wine is. Well, then you know, then that that most definitely is at a much higher level than the average, um, you know, than the average person would would have to know, and certainly sommeliers would have to be at that at that level as well. So definitely, um, and it's very important. At least you know, if you go out into the culinary world, you need to know how to pair your wines. You know, you need to be able to express to your customer who might not know as much, but you know, is eager to learn. You have to be able to explain to them a little bit about the wine. So that's very important. Sure, sure. Um, also tweeted, let's see, from Miami, Florida. Hey, right here, Jenna Wine tweeted, what is your opinion of the recent resistance against the healthy food movement? So she said Rush Limbaugh and others saying it's elitist. Interesting question. Interesting. I'm not one for that. How can I say? Mm -hmm. um, 
the healthy food movement. Is that like you're talking about like all healthy food type of thing? I guess yeah, that would be you know kind of considered that. Well, you know, I'm all I'm all about everything in moderation is good, and at least in in my restaurant we do everything organic, free range, uh, or wild. So, you know, as long as you're having a really good product and you're consuming everything in moderation, I you know I don't believe in diets or or things like that. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, because you're right, you kind of should enjoy. You know, you go to a restaurant. And I think, you know, if you know, you're paying for a meal, you're not making it at home. Right. So, you know, someone's taking the time to make that for you. Uh, someone's taking the time to serve it to you. And, you know, and I think the bottom line should be, you know, you should enjoy it. It shouldn't be something where you feel, oh, my God, there's so many things that I want it to be. I don't want it to be this. I don't want it to be that. I want it to be, you know, it should be, it should be simple. Yeah. So, so the next question she had was, what local ingredients are you most excited about for each year, and which farmers do you source from? Is what she said. Well, I do a lot from Homestead down here, um, where my restaurant is actually located, you know, far south. So we right. we do a lot from Homestead. Paradise Farms is very good to us down here, um, and it's just how can I say? It? Each year it gets better and better. I do. Also, not just do locally, I do get, like, for example, some of my seafood actually comes from Australia. I use um, Bear Monday from Australia and things like that. So my focus is definitely on a good product that I could deliver to my customer um, no matter where it comes from. Right. And, you know, that, and, and the interesting thing is here's a, a question about that, about the menu. Uh, Ederf from, New York, let's see, North Boston tweeted, noticed on the menu Harris Beef, but Neiman pork, what drove that selection? Taste. I'm all about, as you know, I'm maximum flavor. <laughs> yes, um, I still think that people eat what they crave, what tastes good. And I agree. As as I was creating my menu when we were opening the restaurant and all, I had all these vendors come in. You know how that goes. That goes for everybody that's opening a restaurant. Sure. And I didn't want to know about brands. I had um, some of my, my staff help me out with this, and I said, don't put me a brand, and I'm going to do this when there's no vendors here to brainwash me or anything, and I just want to taste, you know. And right. I put myself as the customer, and I, I, what I picked was based on what I thought, you know, that the flavor and the quality was amazing. Smart. Yeah. Very smart, I have to say. So now that's a great answer, and, and you want to know something? Um, that's a great way to approach it, too, because I think, you know, um, not unlike wine, and I've said this a million times, uh, a lot of people will go either buy two things, either a name when they buy purchase wine um, or a number. Um, you know, it's got a, a 92 from uh, Robert Parker, or it's got a you know 95 from Wine Spectator. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that is using that as a guide. But right. The bottom line is is that your eyes don't tell you what the taste is like. Right. And and so your mouth is what does it. And you have to exactly. taste it in order to know the wine, I like it, I don't like it, uh, it's hot, whatever it may be. And so I've always said to people doing blind taste tests, just similar to what you were talking about, taste this wine, taste this wine. What do you think of these, judging by your taste? Oh, well, this is fantastic. Okay. I take somebody who normally would buy something that's forty or fifty dollars and show them something that's, you know, ten or fifteen and 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 tastes good. And this way, you know, you kind of change it up. You make people, you taste it, and you make your decisions from there. Same thing with food. Same thing with vendors. Everything down the line, you make the decisions that you think, uh, you know, work best by your palate. One hundred percent agree. Uh, Alana, thank you, Alana Simfronsky from Toronto, Canada. Okay, a lot of people from Canada here. Um, tweeted, what's missing from cooking shows, food TV these days? What show, well, she said, what would you like, meaning you, Adrian, like to see taught to the public through these shows? That's an interesting question because you know what? I always wonder how they put together the cooking shows, whether it's the chef says, I want to put this, this is what I want to put out there, this is what I want to cook today, or they say, you know what? Everyone's been tweeting or emailing us about could you do something on you know eggplant? Can you do something with you know? So how what what do you think? What do you think uh, is missing? What what should the public be taught? Um, 
you know, I don't know if there's anything really missing. I mean, there's a million cooking shows out there nowadays. I just, right. what I'm currently enjoying, and I think there should be more of, is, um, I don't want to say a reality show, because I don't think there's many of those really, but the <laughs> real behind the scenes of what a chef really does. Almost like, I uh, agree, by the way. you know, what really goes on in a kitchen, and I think, because people are fascinated with the, with you know, the culinary, uh, how can I say, the culinary arts nowadays, and people that aren't real chefs are playing chef at home. So I I would like to give them a real glimpse of the real life of a chef, you know. Here's a show. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, you, you say you put it out there, chef, uh, <laughs> you know, you never know what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> so it could be knocking tomorrow. It could be calling tomorrow. Chef Adrian. We want to know the real behind-the-scenes of Chef Adrian. Oh, what boy, do I don't do? know. <laughs> I don't know if that would be a good thing. Careful <laughs> what funny. you wish for, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to, I, here, I'm going to go back to some of my questions that I have here for you. So what are the, give me five essential items that you believe are must-haves in your kitchen. Must-haves in my kitchen. Must-haves, absolutely. Okay. I need salt. I okay. need my iPod. I need a lot of good okay. jokes to keep me entertained. I okay. need garlic. And okay. let me see. Let me see. My chef dust. Got it. Of course there you didn't miss that. That's good. Yeah. So you need you need you need uh spices and seasonings. You need a comedian and yes. you need um and and you need a musician. There you go. Okay, I think I got it right. All right, I just want to make sure. So <laughs> speaking of that what kind of music do you play in the kitchen with your staff while you cook? Oh my goodness. I'm I like all types of music, but I'm very much into music. It really drives my creativity. Um I'll listen on any given day anything from the Beatles to Drake mm-hmm. <laughs> to um uh, I mean it's I I can really appreciate all kinds of music. Uh, right now I'm I'm into uh Trans-Siberian Orchestra. <laughs> symphonic rock. That's your stuff. And and by the way, we're coming up on the holidays, so they do usually do something, you know, some sort of holiday uh yeah, yeah. CD kind of interesting. So tell my little my listeners here a little bit about dark dining because I think it's a great concept and I think everyone should understand and know what it's all about so that can kind of give them to get their their uh themselves in gear and get down here to Miami if they're already here in South Florida or if they're not to travel for wherever they are in the world listening and uh, and get in for that. So tell them all about it. Well, dark dining, um, it was something that was done over in Europe when we started to do it in, um, in San Francisco a couple years ago. And um, I thought, I remember reading this article about someone who's doing it in Germany. And But the way they do it is a little different than what I do here. They, uh, they blindfold their guests. Well, actually, they don't blindfold their guests. They do it pitch black in the restaurant, and then the servers, uh, they have night vision goggles. But the guest is allowed to order from a menu, and so they know what they're receiving. They just don't know. Sure. You know, they they just can't see it. So I thought, well, let's mix this up a little bit, and let's make this a little more interesting, a little more provocative, and – and when guests come to my dark dining, they it's $50 a person, and what they get is a five-course tasting menu, which they have no idea what it is, and they're explained that when they make the reservation. So they know they're in for a whole surprise. And I host sure. it like a wine tasting, and also wine mm-hmm. is part of the event as well. And so as each dish comes out, I, I allow them to taste it first, and then I explain it, and I explain its properties. If it has umami, for example, you know the six taste sense and all that. And sure. um, we go all around. Like for example, we'll do sweet, sour, you know, bitter, salty, all of that. And each month we have a different theme. So we've gone from anywhere from the old west. We've done uh, Phantom of the Opera. The restaurant just gets decked out into a theme. So it's just really cool, and it's it's a cool way to experience food. You know. That's all. Most definitely. And I was going to say, so now do they wear night vision goggles, the wait staff? No, actually, we are, uh, we're lit by candles because we want the guests, when they're not uh, blindfolded, to be able to enjoy the ambience around them. Sure. We do transform the restaurant, but they get a a black mask, the, the actual guest. Got it. Yeah. 
so so the guests are blindfolded and it's dark with with uh with candles but the wait staff can obviously see what they're doing yes exactly uh, we discovered that it was better this way as opposed to the other way just because uh the human eye it, we could be pitch black in a closet that has no light whatsoever and what happens after a while is our eyes start to like kind of open up and before you know it you're able to see for example your hand in front of you sure so they that's adjust. why we, we right, want exactly. absolutely no cheating whatsoever. <laughs> no, that's great. I think that's yeah. fantastic. It's a great experience and I you know, I and I, I, I encourage everyone listening out there. Um, you know, that's a great uh, great idea and a great way to experience new food, um and a and a new restaurant to you if that's the case, to, to go over to Chef Adrian's in, in Miami. So if you could do anything different than you have in your career right now what would it be? Wow. <laughs> that is an awesome See, question you. to throw at somebody live on the air, Stu. That's awesome. <laughs> but I have to tell you this. See, the way my show goes, yeah. every show is completely different. Every question is completely unique to every person I have on there. So I've never asked this question to anyone else. And oh. um, I'm sure you're I'm sure you're happy about that right now that you're the only person that's ever gotten this question asked. Well, thank you. I'm honored. <laughs> um, anything different? I anything. I don't. I it's very interesting this question because I don't know if I would have done anything differently. I I I do believe every step I've ever taken, whether bad or good. I, you see, I believe in serendipity, and I believe in no coincidence, no accidents. Everything happens for a reason. So whether any decision I've taken that hasn't worked out so well. Or or has worked out well, I think has brought me to where I am today. So I don't know if I would change anything, you know. Okay. No, I mean I think that's a great answer, I and mean, it's a straightforward answer. You know, it wasn't a trick question. It was really yeah. just more over like some people say, mm, you know, I might have done this, I may have done this, made this turn instead of that turn. And other people like yourself, which I think is great because you had a vision, you started po- from point A. And you're you're continuing on the journey. I'm not saying you've finished the journey by any stretch of the imagination. And you're on your way to, you know, whatever point B will be, you know. Well, I, you, the, you just reminded me of when, when, we, when we were shooting the show with Jody uh, for, yes. you know, with Jody Ness. And, and, you know, one of my answers to one of his questions was, um, I just hope that, you know, we live our lives where we're not, you know, at a certain age and say, I wish I would have done that. You know, that's how right. I hope I'm doing things right so far. <laughs> I think that's kind of what spurred the question on for me is that I wanted oh. to see, you know, I mean, it wasn't taken directly from uh, from what he was asking you. It was more so I wanted to see, you know, here you are such a young person and, and, have, and have gone extremely far. And you've got and you've got the rest of your, your life ahead of you, which is great. And. You know the the sky's the limit. So I was wondering for someone like that, you always want to know, hey, is there, you know, was there a turn or was there something, you know? Um, right. So so on that, let's stay on that note. What advice can you give to young chefs coming up in the business who would like to follow in your footsteps? Young chefs, I would say, and you know, I get this uh, question a lot, especially to like my Facebook account. I get a lot of. Uh, of kids that are uh, either they're going into culinary school or just coming out of it. And I would definitely Mm -hmm. say you have to commit yourself 100%. This career is very competitive, very. Like there are those that get into it because it's a job that uh, they can get. You know, you could cook anywhere. You could cook as low as a chain restaurant. You could, um, you know, any chain restaurant anywhere right. or you can go as high as you know a five-star five-diamond hotel and mm-hmm. this is a career that could take you all over the world you know so you have to, if you want to stand out above everyone you have to be that much better and anyone can do it i'm definitely a testimony of that i i didn't i wasn't you know i didn't have any special training or anything i was just dedicated and committed so if i did it i think anybody can do it you just have to focus and just give it all you got. That's really the truth. <laughs> that's one. That's one wonderful attitude. Absolutely. And you know, and maybe you want to tell my listeners. So, how did they? How did they find you for NBC? I had a curiosity for, to for, to do the Maximum Flavor and and that segment. How did they? You know, how did they come about getting <laughs> you to do that? Well, uh, Maximum Flavor is actually the title of my book, and right. I actually when I did my first book tour, I was. Um, 
I was 20 years old when Maximum Flavor came out. And I, as a guest, I was just a regular guest on, on South Florida Today on the NBC show. And yeah. they just asked me to come back um, to fill in for somebody that couldn't, uh, that couldn't make it like the second time. And then um, a couple times later, I just, you know, I just started coming back every couple of months or so. Great. And it's just been a relationship that developed over, over, you know, a few years. And all of a sudden, it was like, hey, Maximum Flavor Live. You know, why not? <laughs> what, see, that's a great story. That's a story that people would want to know about. They want to hear that. That's why, you know, I wanted to ask questions like that. I want people to understand that those things can happen. Look, there's social media out there, you know, and, 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 I, and I, I hate to use – Although um, my nieces will differ with me, but I hate to use Justin Bieber as a uh, example. But you know, look at Justin Bieber. He comes out, Bieber. He comes out, and he, he you know, from Canada, and um, he's on YouTube. And then you know, here he is. I mean, a tremendous star. Um, Absolutely. And so it can happen. Is really what I'm trying to get at. Is that you know, someone young like yourself can uh, you know can continue to do something like this on a regular basis. Um, you know, just out of kind of, um, you know, a happenstance per se. So the, that's why you want to keep plugging away and keep doing what you do, like you were saying. And, uh, you know, for the young chefs out there who, who, who want to make it and want to do something with themselves. Um, yeah. So here's a question, speaking of celebrities. Is there someone you have not cooked for but want to? Is there like someone on a list, like a celebrity, a musician, a TV personality, a politician, anyone who's at the top of the list that you're, you're sought after as, as someone that you would like to, you'd love um, to cook for? I mean, if you had the chance. If I had the chance. Put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You never know. I you know I I don't know when I used to work at the at the Mandarin Oriental I used to I used to cook for cele- for celebrities all the time, so right. I don't know I think you know you know the miners that just uh, that just came out a, a month ago or so I would want yes. to cook for yes. one of them. Now. Wow! See? Yeah, like I think that would that's be at the top impressive. of my list. You see, now that's great. That's fantastic. You know, it's not because you know it's, it's you're not jaded. It's not like oh, geez, you know, I would love to, you know, Brad Pitt or you know, um, it's it's someone like that who you know who uh, had a, had a tragedy and, and 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 was able to overcome it. That's that's a wonderful thing I have to tell you. I commend you on that one. Okay. Excellent. Um, so you're on a desert island. I don't mean right now, and you have an iPod, which I know yeah. you have because you told me. Um, <laughs> you can you can only have five songs on it. What are they? Okay. They would be Vindicated Dashboard. They would be, um, let me see, This I Love by Guns N' Roses. It would be Teenage Dream by Katy Perry. It would be, hmm, let me see, Animal by Neon Trees now. And then it would be, that I've had the time of my life song from Dirty Dancing. Well, you see, and that's amazing because, you know, so few people can, and I, again, I have never asked that on, on, on air, so few people can go come with five. It's like, oh, <laughs> you know, this song. Wait, no, no, no. Did I say that? No, no, no. Wait, you know, and they always want to, can I make a change of that? Can I, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and you just like, one right after the other, just <laughs> cranked them out. I love it. That's great. Well, I love like a million songs. That's the thing. But if I had, if I had five, I would be happy yeah. with those five. That's the thing. Maybe those are not my top five. Like you know, I can't say those are my all-time favorite. But if I only had those five, I'd be really happy with that. <laughs> okay. So now, so I'll go back to it. now. I asked you about five essential items, which you basically gave me in your kitchen. But are there just same thing? You're on that desert island. Are there five utensils that you go? Okay, I have to have these because you know, in order for me to make anything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be five. Are there, uh, is there something that you say, okay, I, if I had this and this, I'd be, I could go on a desert island, I could, you know, survive, um, I could cook whatever I needed to cook? A knife. I would say a knife. And because right. you see salt you can use from the seawater. You you know, you dry up seawater, you let it dehydrate sure, sure. or whatever. So, and then you catch fish, but then you, to clean it out, I would say a knife. And then you just eat with your hands. That's fine. So, right. you know, that's. Got it. That would be right. it. Yeah. She's on it. So you see, now you're prepared. <laughs> if you had, you know, that's amazing. 
<laughs> yeah, I'd be like, hmm, wow, huh, gee, huh, um, uh, a spoon, um, uh, a spork, uh, a <laughs> spork. Uh, does does uh, mac and cheese count? Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Let's see. Okay, so other than Napa Valley wines, what are wines in your wine collection right now? Right now, I have. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, home. Home. I'm not saying it at, at the restaurant. I'm saying at home. Let's just oh, say. at home. Okay. Well, I don't have a wine collection at home. <laughs> let's start. Okay. My house has like if you if you'd believe this. Uh, I have I have no wine collection at home, and my refrigerator is basically empty except for a lot of Gatorade, maybe an old gallon of milk, and then this is not cribs. <laughs> I, no, this is not cribs. This is just you know the refrigerator coming, of a busy we're chef. Coming, right, we're not coming in there to check to see what you're what's in your refrigerator. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, not not the wine collection at home does not exist. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so you basically do. If, if if anything, you experience your wine, you know, out outside or you know in outside when you go definitely. To, yeah, wherever it is, you know, wherever you go, if you go somewhere or definitely. Um, I mean, as a chef, we go, we we're constantly at these culinary events or you know dinners sure. and things like that. And then on my day off, I go somewhere. I always try to go somewhere new, and I always incorporate wine into whatever whatever experience I have. So definitely, you know, I'm I'm home very, very little time, so that leaves no time sure, for enjoying my <laughs> So yeah. so tell my my listeners exactly what maximum flavor essentials chef dust is and what my listeners should use it on. Well maximum flavor chef's dust is just it's it was the first product that branched out of my maximum flavor brand and it just came about really um by accident. Uh when I was doing my my cooking competitions, I was blending uh, garlic salt and black pepper and paprika and things like that. And that's what I was using for all my I, – I realized that consistently in every year and in every competition, this was the seasoning blend that I was using on every product, whether it was seafood, whether it was, you know, poultry, or even if it was game um, – I was using this, and then all of a sudden someone approached me and said, you know, you should bottle this. And I, I didn't take it serious. You know, I would just kind of right. was like, oh, yeah, sure, who's going to buy that? So I threw it on the back burner. Uh, then fast forward a couple years, and I opened the restaurant, and I had this little plastic container next to me, next to the stove, and I realized that here's the chef's dust. I'm using it again, and this is what's making, you know, this – the flavor of the food is amazing that comes out of here, thank God, you know, so the customers say. And I realize it's the chef's dust. So here is a product that has been good to me from my competitions, you know, through all these demos I've done, and then now the restaurant and everything. And so finally I decided to, to bottle it and sell it, and it goes good on everything, and, you know, it's people are buying it everywhere, and we're having a ton of repeat customers they don't. They won't cook at home without it because that's all you need. You know, you you just throw it on. If you're going to barbecue, if you're going to cook indoors, you don't have to complicate yourself with buying a hundred herbs or spices or anything like that, or or salts or anything. You just need that. Right. Excellent. Excellent. See, and that works. It's a nice, concise uh, explanation. Uh, and it, and it, and the good thing about it, it's so. Uh, universal and versatile to be able to use on so many things. So we only have a couple minutes left, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, so I want to tell everybody first and foremost to go to www.chefadrians a d r i a n n e s dot com and check out Chef Adrian's restaurant, books, seasoning, uh, and info there. And the cool thing is, you know, while you're sitting there and cooking, hopefully, uh, you can you can buy some stuff. You can buy some books. To find out about cooking, you can buy some, some for seasoning uh, and all the good stuff right there in the store. That's the beauty of the internet. You can buy things while you're doing things. Um, I, you, you know, I, I really apologize that, that you know the time was so short. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you on again, most definitely, because there's so much more that I want to ask, and uh, you know, and I want uh, I want people to be able to ask more questions of you as well. Um, but I thank you for your time. Uh, it was wonderful. Oh, and, thank you. Uh, it was wonderful. You're a great guest. And, and listen, I'm going to tell everybody, listen, you have to watch CNBC uh, in January because both Chef Adrian, my illustrious guest tonight, and myself 
will be on the CNBC hit Wine Portfolio with Jody Ness. So yep. uh, you'll get a chance to see her at her best cooking and, uh, and, and sitting down and talking with Jody. And it, it'll be a great show, I'm sure. I'm positive. And, um, and we'll talk again. So, so thank you so much, Chef Adrian. Thank you. And uh, have a great evening. You too. Take care. So that was Chef Adrian of Chef Adrian Vineyard and Wine Bar Restaurant. Um, go to chefadrians.com and check out Adrian, as I mentioned, uh, all her history, everything about her, her restaurant, her books, her seasoning. Uh, I want to especially thank Chef Adrian for coming on and telling us all about her amazing career, her restaurant, books, and seasoning, and all that good stuff. As always, if you have any questions about the show, you can email them to info at stewthewineguru.com. You can also go to my website as well at www.stewthewineguru.com and click on the link for all my wine articles, my videos, and to listen to the archive wine talk shows. You can also click on the picture of my guest, and that will automatically play the, the archive show. You can tweet me questions anytime to at StuTheWineGuru on Twitter uh, for my guests or myself. As always, I say, if it's time to pour the wine, it's time for Stu the Wine Guru. Drink up, good night, and good wine. And now on block. Yeah, hi, this is Tony Danza. You're listening to Stu the Wine Guru. He's not bad. I listen to him every once in a while. You know, drink a Tuscan Red, try to take down the edge. Pretty good. I like him. Not bad. <laughs>